0: The Tanya of Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Liadi, taught by Rabbi Benzion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg.
1: Now we begin, letter number twenty-nine, page one ninety-eight. I don't know who the, pre- the Alta Rebbe wrote this letter to, but it's a letter discussing the value of studying the Torah, but specifically the laws of the Torah, studying the halach, the specialty. What's so special about studying the laws of the Torah, the halach, the code of Jewish law, which is called the crown of the Torah.
2: A woman of valor is the crown of her husband. This verse in the book of Mishli is a metaphor for the Torah. The Torah is also likened to a wife in another verse. See to live your life with the woman whom you love, which our sages of blessed memory explained to mean the Torah. Here too a woman of valor refers to the Torah. More specifically within the Torah itself, the oral Torah is the wife. And the written Torah is the husband. The woman of valor, which the Altar Rebbe will later explain, refers to the halachic Torah, serves as the crown to her husband, the written Torah. See, Even though
1: the oral Torah derives from the written Torah, the written Torah is like the masculine energy, and the feminine energy receives from the masculine. The oral Torah is a commentary on the written Torah. And yet... The woman is the crown over her husband.
2: Is above her husband. The crown over her husband. The Gemara in chapter 4 of Megillah commenting on the teaching of our sages in the law that he who makes use of the crown passes away from this world. States, this applies to him who makes use of one who studies halacha, which are the crown of the Torah. Unlike the text of the Bach, which omits the crown of the Torah, the altar Rebbe here accepts the standard printed version as quoted above.
1: Whoever uses the crown of Torah for his own selfish purposes, for your career, to advance your own ego, you will pass away from this world. So, specifically, the crown, there's the Torah, and then there's the crown of the Torah. What's the crown of the Torah? This specifically refers to the loss.
2: The Gemara in Megillah goes on to say, it was taught in the Academy of Elijah that whoever studies halakha is assured of a share in olam haba, the world to come. At the conclusion of Tractate Nida, the text reads, whoever studies halakha daily, Rashi explains there that the term halakha refers to Mishnah, Beraita, and halakha. The Moshe the epistle above the altar river based on Rashi, elsewhere, defines halacha as clearly educated laws of practical application.
1: So specifically he spells out halacha means the laws, the, the practical, practical halacha, how to behave, what's expected of us. So Whoever studies, he doesn't say whoever studies Torah, he says whoever studies halachot is guaranteed a share in the world to come.
0: Now it needs to be understood why the halachot are referred to as a crown or the crown of the Torah. Furthermore, why is it that he who studies specifically halacha is assured of a share in the world to come and not other Torah subjects such as scriptures, midrash and the like?
1: Why is halacha the crown? The crown is like the, the highest level. Like the essence of Torah study is halacha. You would think that the essence of Torah study is the juicy understanding and the depth, the in-depth discussions. Halacha, are very cut and dry. Do's and don'ts. Kosher and not kosher. Obligated, not obligated. Guilty, not guilty. Just the halacha, just the facts. How about, you would think the Talmud, that's the, that should be the crown of the Torah. That should be the, the prime, prime part of the Torah. The cut and dry halachat. That's the... And he says, he doesn't say if you study Torah you're guaranteed a shir in the world to come. Only if you study the halacha of Torah. The l- laws of the Torah. The rules of the Torah.
0: One also needs to understand the teaching of our sages the blessed memory in chapter 11 of Menachot. That even if one studied only a single chapter in the morning and a single chapter in the evening... He has fulfilled his obligation to study Torah. The Gemara states there that the individual has fulfilled the commandment that this book of the Torah shall not depart from your mouth. According to a second opinion cited later in the Gemara, that this verse does not constitute an obligation, it is to be understood that according to this opinion, it is still obligatory to study Torah at all times. However, if one is unable to do so, he can fulfill his obligation by studying a chapter in the morning and a chapter in the evening.
1: So there is a verse that says, "Va'gi'seba and Joshua, that you should study Torah. You should speak in Torah, the words of Torah, day all day and night. But even if it's a recommendation, not an obligation, but there is an obligation to study Torah. Every free moment that we have, we should study Torah. But if a person can't, you're busy. You're doing business. You have family to take care of. Your business. You have obligations. So it's enough if you study one chapter in the morning and one chapter in the evening. A chapter of what? A chapter of Mishnah. Mishnah is like halacha. Mishnah is very dry. Mishnah doesn't give any explanations. Mishnah just tells you facts. Just the body, the essence. This is. These are the facts. This is the obligation. This is the mitzvah. This is the way it's done. It doesn't get into the underlying reason and the explanation. That's the Talmud. That's the Gemara and the Mishnah. So why do we fulfill our obligation of studying Torah just by studying the Mishnah? He says he suggests the Mishnah. He doesn't say learn a medrash. Learn a little medrash every morning. I'll learn a little medrash in the evening. Learn any other part of Torah. No. You must learn a Mishnah in the morning and you must learn a Mishnah in the evening. Why?
0: How do we know that one chapter means Mishnah? we learn?
1: pedrik pedrik a chapter of shakras. That, that that's the context of the gemara there.
0: Uh-huh. however it is don't forget we're
1: learning we're, we're talking about someone who doesn't have time so you think he has time to learn <laughs> a whole chapter of gemara a regular chapter is 10 20 pages so he doesn't have time to learn during the day but he has time to finish 20 pages in the morning and 20 pages at night of course he means pedrik means a mishnah a Mishnah, you can learn very quickly. A Mishnah, you can learn a whole chapter of Mishnah. A few Mishnahs in 10-15 minutes. He did the whole thing. So a person is too busy. He doesn't have time. He's saying if you learn a Perik, you only have time if to learn a Perik Mishnah, is, a chapter of Mishnah. In the morning, and one chapter of Mishnah in the evening. That's fine. You fulfilled your obligations. So obviously, he's talking about a Mishnah. He's not talking about a, a whole chapter in the Talmud.
0: Why is one's duty not fulfilled by other Torahs? The expression one chapter indicates that the study is of Mishnah, the oral Torah. Why can one not fulfill his obligation with the study of Scripture, Midrash, and the like?
1: I learn a little Chumash in the morning, a little a little Tanach in the evening, and that's fine. He says, no, specifically, it has to be Pedekechot Shachris, a chapter of Mishnah, which is like Halacha, and a Echad Iris. That's the question.
2: However, it is well known that Rabbi Isaac Gloria blessed memory, stated that the soul of every Jew needs to be reincarnated many times until he will fulfill all 613 commandments of the Torah in thought, speech, and action.
1: Every soul must fulfill all 613 mitzvot. He says, by the way, in thought, speech, and action. Because here he's emphasizing the importance of fulfilling the mitzvah spiritually. This is in The Tanya discusses the soul. So he says, it's not enough that you fulfill the Torah in thought, which is fulfilling the mitzvot spiritually, but you also must fulfill it in action. You have to speak, and you have to do, you have to act in the mitzvah. In the code of Jewish law, which is a code of law, Al the Rebbe says, brings down the same thing, but there he changes the order. There he says, in action, speech, and thought. Because in the code of Jewish law, first and foremost, primarily, the code of Jewish law talks about action. He says not um, not only that you fulfill the six hundred and thirteen mitzvahs in action, indeed, but in addition, you also have to fulfill it in speech, and in thought. You have to have the right intent. You have to make the blessing before you do the mitzvah. So the mitzvahs have to engage. Every mitzvah has to engage all three: thought. Speech and action. He's just reversing the order. It depends where where you're where you're talking about. But a person, a Jew, the soul needs to fulfill all six hundred and thirteen mitzvah and you need to fulfill it in both in thought, speech, and action. Now, why is that important? Why is it important for every Jewish soul to fulfill all six hundred and thirteen? Before we'll discuss how that's even possible, why is that even necessary? So he explains, continue. This is an order.
2: This is an order to complete the garments of his soul and to correct them so that no garment will be incomplete. As explained in Tanya chapter 4, the divine soul has three garments, thought, speech, and action of the 613 six, commandments of the Torah. If the performance of one of these commandments is lacking, the soul's garments are incomplete. It is thus necessary for each soul to perform all of the commandments.
1: Okay, so soon he's going to explain why it's so important for the soul to have all the garments, all these 613 garments, and in thought, speech, and action. But he's stating as a fact that the soul must have, must be complete. Now, the question is, it's not possible. It's impossible for one soul to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. Because A, we're not a Kohen. Many mitzvot only a Kohen could perform. Many mitzvot only a high priest could perform, a Kohen Gadol. Many mitzvot that are not relevant to us.
0: Only some of us are kings.
1: <laughs> <laughs> kings is even less. How many kings are there? A handful of kings. Live in what? We don't live in Israel. We don't live in Israel. We don't have the opportunity, but I'm saying, but oh, even, even when the Jews were in Israel and they had a temple, you're not a Kohen, you don't, how is it possible for you to fulfill all 630? And he says in thought, speech, and action, you got to actually do it. So one explanation is reincarnation. That your soul, our souls have come back many times. So one time you come back as an Israelite. So he's saying that soul has to fulfill all 630. Ministry. Maybe you get a few goes at it. You can't do it all in one shot. It's not possible. So one time your soul is going to come as an Israelite, the next time your soul will come back as a Kohen. So you'll have the opportunity to do all 613 mitzvot. Okay, that's one way, but still. It's not, look at the numbers. How many Kohenim are there? How many priests are there? And how many Israelites? There's not, enough, there's not enough to go around, even with, with, a, with a reincarnation. So there's another idea. And that is the concept of ibur. We already study this in the Tanya, in the first part of the Tanya, at the end of chapter 14. You can listen to it tanyaclass.com, the last lesson on the chapter 14. It's called it's like a visitation. You have a, an idea that one soul visits, visits another soul. Sometimes you can have the soul of a tzaddik, a very holy, righteous Jew, visiting you. Visiting you, meaning he's living with you. You feel, you feel, you sense, you sense elevated. You can't explain it. It's not you. You feel it's not you. There's an elevation. You're just, you just are operating now, and you've been upgraded. You're operating on a different level. Your mind is clear. Your heart is, is on fire. You just, your soul is so crystal clear. You feel that it's foreign to me. It's not me. It's like it's almost like a visitation that's elevating my soul. It's a visitation. A soul of a tzaddai could park itself in your soul, merge with you, visit your soul, and elevate your soul. How long does a tzaddai come to visit? Sometimes it's a quick visit. <laughs> it's a short one-nighter. Sometimes it could be a few hours. <laughs> Sometimes it could be for a week, it could be for a month, or it could be for the rest of your life. But you feel, you sense, that, you know, you feel it, that, like there's another soul in me. In the positive sense, not like a dibuk. A dibbuk is <laughs> something negative comes into your soul and uh, takes over. But here it's like a holiness, a holy, exalted, uplifting. It's not me. Where does this come from? I know it's not me. That doesn't come from within me. But, but you know, you, you have a visitation and you're being elevated. So if a person merits, here the Altarebi discusses that if you try to be a tzaddik, soul before it's born is administered an oath. You should be a tzaddik and don't be a rusher. He says, how can you be administered an oath to be a tzaddik if it's not up to me? I can't choose to be a tzaddik. It's not within my power. But he says, yes, you do. it it is an option. Even if you're a benini, you'll never be a tzaddik, but you can get a visitation of a tzaddik. You can merit and at least for a few moments you'll fulfill your oath. You'll be like a tzaddik on the level of a tzaddik. See, so too over here. How do, how does the soul fulfill all six hundred and thirty mitzvot? You can have a visitation, or your soul can can connect with the soul of a kohen, or you can have a visitation of the soul of a kohen. So therefore, when he does the mitzvah, it's like your your soul is also doing the mitzvah, it's like a merging of souls. Um, Other than that, the math doesn't doesn't add up. It's not possible, physically possible, for every Jew to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. Even if you wanted to, it's just not, circumstantially, it's just not possible. He says the exception to all of this is when it comes to the mitzvahs that are connected to the king. The king, you don't have to look for explanations, you don't have to rely on reincarnation, visitations. The king is in a different category. The king represents, he's the heart of the Jewish people. The king embodies the entire Jewish people. He encompasses, he's like an all encompassing soul that encompasses the whole of the Jewish people. That is the definition of a king. A king is a public figure, it's not an individual. He represents the nation, he represents the whole Jewish people as a whole. He embodies the whole Jewish people. He's the heart of the Jewish people. The heart contains all the blood, flows through the heart. Every part of the organ all goes through the heart. So the king, whatever he does, he doesn't do it as a private individual person. The mitzvah that are unique to the king, he's doing it for the entire Jewish people. So when he fulfills his mitzvah, it's as if every individual Jewish soul physically did the mitzvah. Because he's doing it for each and every one of us. So all the mitzvahs that are connected to the king is all accounted for. Those mitzvahs—it's as if my soul has done this mitzvah in thought, speech, and action.
3: Accepted are the commandments incumbent only upon a king, because he discharges the obligation of all of Israel, as he is a corporate collective of all of them, of, of them all. All the Jews are incorporated within the king and performs those commandments that depend upon him. Therefore consider those as if all the Jewish people had performed them. As to the other commandments, however, if in one incarnation an individual could not perform them all, he must be reincarnated so that he will be able to do so. Why must one have the garments of all
1: 613 commandments? It's good to know that we should uh, be careful about doing mitzvahs. It's not worth it to be reincarnated. This, uh, finish, uh, finish our mission now. Don't push it off. Today it's not even an option. We don't even have that option of pushing off the next lifetime. There is no next lifetime. Mashiach is coming now. Everything is coming to a head. This is it. So whatever we got to finish, whatever we got to finish, we got to get done now. The deadline. It's, it's, it's Shabbos comes. It's too late. We're almost Shabbos already. It's, 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 Friday, late afternoon, we had Sunday, we had Monday. <coughs> so Sunday you can say, okay, I'll sh- push off my shopping to Monday. Monday, push it off to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, morning, afternoon. Now there's no... <laughs> can't push it off anymore. There's no next lifetime. This is it. Time is now. You want Mashiach? Now. American prayer for patience. God give me patience, and give it to me now. <laughs> Time is now. Now he's going to explain the reasoning. Why is important? Why is it so important for the soul to fulfill all 613 mitzvahs? So the Zohar says you have to have all your garments. Why do you have to have all your garments? Now if I'm missing a garment, you have to have 613 garments. I mean, even uh, from the Philippines, what was her name? How many pairs of shoes did she have? Mel oh, right, <laughs> Melda Marcos. 600, 600, 613, 613, 613 shoes? <laughs> <laughs> a few thousand, right? Right, so why is it important for us to have so many garments? Continue. The reason is.
3: The reason is in order to go up all the 613 aspects and powers of one soul. These 613 organs of the soul must all be clothed in the garments of...
1: So he explained in Chapter 4 in the first part of the Tanya that we have 248 limbs, 365 veins. That's why you have 248 positive mitzvot, active mitzvot, and you have 365 prohibitions, don'ts corresponding to the veins. So each and every part of the organism has to have a garment, must have a garment.
3: These 613 organs of the soul must all be clothed in the garments of the mitzvot, so that not one of them of these 613 aspects and powers of the soul will be lacking.
1: So now we know what? Well why? Why is that so important?
3: Didn't An
1: explanation for the indispensability of these garments is given in the Zohar
3: and is understandable by every thinking person, but that Ruah, and the Shama and Man are created entities and hence inherently limited, and it is impossible for any created being to attain any appreh- apprehension of the blessed Creator and Former of all who is infinite. This, of course, is true with the respect of divinity,
1: it is a totally transcendent of all world. You can't understand what you don't have. It's not, It's not even possible try to explaining to a blind person who's born blind what the color red is. It's impossible. He has no frame of reference. He doesn't know what you're talking about. Talk to a blind person. In Israel, only in Israel, they have the blind museum. Ingenious. Who guides you? A blind person. Someone who's born blind. You walk into a pitch dark, you really exp- experience what it's like to be totally blind. And you... Th- it's really? in. Huh? Uh, really? really? uh, really? really? N- Hulon. Amazing. We went and they have a deaf museum. We tried making an appointment, no one could. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: no, no one answered
1: the phone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I it's amazing. The deaf museum is also amazing.
3: We went to the museum.
1: Yeah, yeah, the blind museum. We went, yeah, exactly. It's amazing. You, you go on a boat ride, you walk across a the bridge, there's a restaurant. They give you change. The, the, the blind, all the waiters are blind. It's pitch black. <laughs> it's, ama- it's an amazing experience. Only a Jew can think of it. So we asked him. He said, I can't relate. I don't know what you're talking about. You talk about color, sight. I have no frame of reference. I, 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 if you don't have it, you can't relate to it. Could we think outside of the box? Impossible. Imagine a seventh sense. Can you imagine a seventh sense, an eighth sense? We have eyes, we have ears, seeing, hearing. Try to smell, try to imagine, taste, try to imagine, touch. Can you imagine another sense? It's impossible. You can't. Is God limited to five senses? God could have created ten, could have created a hundred, could have created a thousand, could have created a million. So we are so limited, we are so finite. So the soul, even the soul, which is spiritual, with all its consciousness, higher levels of consciousness, and sublime, and music, and art, and spirituality, and philosophy, and God? Infinity? We don't, even, we don't have it within us. We're not God. So we, there's no way in the world we can grasp God. So no matter how spiritual we are, and how deep we are, and how religious we are, and how intense we are, we have no way to begin to grasp God. So it's impossible, he says. There's no way that we can even get a glimpse of the infinite. So religion doesn't do it. Spirituality doesn't do it. Mysticism doesn't do it. Meditation doesn't do it. So what does it? He the only thing that can do it is, is the mitzvah. The mitzvah. Because the mitzvah is divine. So because the mitzvah is divine, every mitzvah that we do creates a garment that allows us to be able to see or to perceive or to sense the godly, the infinite, the divine. As I'll say, it's like a... Uh, you can't look at the sun, the rays of the sun. They're blinding. Too intense. You look at the sun directly, you can't. But with, a, with, with colored glasses, you can see it. So that's the point of the garment. The garment is... It enables me to be able to get a glimpse, to be able to get a sense of the infinite. Otherwise, we don't know what God looks like. We have no way... Connected.
4: Moreover, even after God has radiated the manner of his blessed light, and it's caused cause in, in the nation in the form of an evolution of numerous descending degrees, level beyond level, by way of intense contractions of numerous immense garments that obscure godliness, these are familiar to those adept in the esoteric wisdom and in the Maidra Rabbah, these contracted degrees of divine illumination are referred to as his, as hairs. Because the life force present in the hair is so tenuous that it does not even convey sensation, the subtle glimmers of divine energy that filter through the above described contra- are referred to metaphorically as, and as written in Daniel, and the hair of his head is like white wool, which we see that certain degrees of spiritual downflow
1: the Torah speaks in, in metaphors. When the Torah describes God as the here on his head is like a white wool, what does here represent? Here is attached to you. If someone pulls you by the here, it's going to hurt. But it's not really part of you. It's attached. It comes from you. But it's not really you. You know, the the one who uh, was bald-headed said, God created some heads perfect, and everyone else he covered with hair. But (laughs) But the hair is attached to you, but it's not you. If you cut your finger, it hurts, because the finger is you. But if you cut your hair, it's dead. There's no sensation, there's no sensitivity, there's no feeling. But it's attached to you. The roots are coming from you. It has, you know, if you pull your hair... You can even get some blood. There, there, is some, there is some life, but it's almost like the smallest, smallest, tiniest. In comparison to the source, it's like a leap. It's like a disconnect. It's, it's attached, but it's like disconnected. It's like dead. It's not part of you. It comes from you, connected to you, but it's dead. You're alive and it's dead. So it's like, a, it's like a leap from you to there. So when we talk about any revelation that we do have, which to us is a brilliant revelation to God it's like is it here to God it's like a radical leap to get to existence to get to this revelation, this light there had to be this radical symptom, this radical contraction, like a leap how do you get from the infinite to this finite energy so for us, it's, 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 it's a brilliant light and it's the beginning of all existence and it's stunning light. But to the source, to Hashem, to the infinite, this light is like here in comparison to the person. It comes from the person, it's attached to the person, but it's dead. There's no connection between the person and the here. It's so radically different. It's like such a leap to get from life to here, the life in the here, it's like, there's no comparison. So to get from the infinite to this brilliant illumination, which is the beginning of all consciousness and the beginning of all life and the divine energy that sustains and creates the whole world, and to us it's all startling and stunning and it's overwhelming, and to Hashem, it's like here, it's completely insignificant. It's nothing. It's the tiniest part, not only the tiniest part of Hashem, Not the tiniest part of Hashem. It's it's like like a radical leap to get from Hashem, from the infinite light, to get to, to, to the life energy that sustains and creates us. But even this light that he refers to as God's here, even this light still comes from the infinite. So this light is too overwhelming for us. We can't, we can't look, we can't see this, see this light, we can't absorb this light. It's too intense for us. So even when God contracts His light, and it contracts it, and it's filtered, and by the time it manifests to us, this divine energy manifests to us, it's referred to as here in comparison to its original state. Even this here, this dead here, this little light, for us it's too much. God. godly, it's too much, too intense, we can't handle it, the soul can't handle it. The soul can't contain it, can't absorb it, can't receive it. It's too, it's too earth shattering for the soul, we're finite. So that's what he says, he continues.
5: Nevertheless, even after the screening affected by these mighty contractions, neither the nefesh nor the ruach and neshama can endure the light. For the light is good and sweet, so intensely so, in fact, that no created being can receive it without expiring, as will soon be explained. As it is written, to behold the pleasantness, noam of God, the term noam denotes pleasantness, agreeableness, and sweetness, and an infinitely intense delight. As it is written, then you will delight yourself in God, and he will sate your soul with a pleasurable thirst.
1: Zacht, is
5: related to tshik parched with thirst it denotes a thirst that cannot be slaked for the pleasure involved is endless and as stated in the Zohar
1: so to see the sweetness of Hashem to see even the ray of a glimmer of Hashem's infinite light which is called the here because it's so so far from the infinite light and even that, it's just too much. It's, 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 it's overwhelming for the soul. It's an, infinite, it's an infinite pleasure that the soul cannot contain.
4: It is not in the soul's power to absorb the pleasantness and agreeableness of the above pleasurable thirst without leaving its husk, <coughs> i.e. its limitation and becoming wholly nullified like a candle flame becomes entirely nullified in a torch. Just as the light of a candle loses its identity as an independent luminary once it is confronted with the intense diffusion of a fiery torch, so too the soul would cease to exist as an independent entity if it were to absorb the radiation emanated from the intense light and sweetness of godliness.
1: So if you put a uh, candle next to a flame, torch, what happens? Yeah. The flame leaps up to the torch, loses itself and is absorbed in the torch, ceases to exist. It becomes just part of the torch. So when the soul sees and perceives this, this light, it's so delightful that the soul just loses its identity, just loses its being, loses its existence, become completely absorbed in the light, become completely absorbed in the source. So we'll lose its consciousness. We'll lose its self-consciousness. So there's no longer any soul. Just like the candle loses its existence. It just expires. It becomes part of the torch. And, and that's, that's not what we want to accomplish. We want the soul to remain a soul. An entity, a conscious entity, a self-conscious entity. And the soul, without nullifying itself, should be able to absorb and receive this pleasure... This divine light and this pleasure so in order for the soul to remain a self-entity a self-conscious entity and to be able to receive this pleasure to be able to receive this divine light how is this possible
4: Were it not from this very light there will evolve and issue forth some minute radiation by way of evolution of level after level with multitudinous contractions until a single garment is created of this contracted light a creation akin to the nature of this light with which to guard the nefesh, rach and the shama by way of this garment which is akin to this light the soul can derive enjoyment from the ray of this light and apprehend it without becoming wholly nullified out of it.
1: it's like a double it, it works on one hand because it's comes from the light so it can withstand the intensity of the light and it also acts as a shield and enables the soul to enjoy the light. So it protects the soul, it receives the light and enables the soul to enjoy the light of uh, this, this godly light. What are we talking about? On the mitzvah. When you do a oh, mitzvah, when you do a mitzvah, and the mitzvah, you draw down this infinite light. So from this light, a, it creates a garment. The mitzvah that you do creates a garment for the soul that wraps around the soul. It shields the soul from this light because otherwise we would dissolve. It's so intense. We would completely dis- The soul would dissolve. I'm not talking about the body. The soul would dissolve. It's, it's uh, you know, dissolve in, into the infinite and just become, merged with the infinite and just lose its self-identity and lose its self-consciousness. But the garments protect the soul, it shouldn't lose its identity. And it enables the soul to be able to gaze at the light, to enjoy the light, to perceive and sense some of, this, some of this godly light.
4: Since this garment
5: derives from this light, it not only withstands its intensity itself, but also enables the soul to receive the light. Being a created entity, this garment can be worn by the soul. And what is this garment? It is the garment of the mitzvot. This is analogous to someone looking at the sun through a fine and lucid speculum. Thus it is written, and Moses entered the midst of the, s- of the cloud and he ascended the mountain. That is, he vested himself in the mountain and ascended and saw by way of the cloud, i.e. the cloud served as a garment by, m- by means of which Moses was able to receive the revelations on Sinai. Thus it is explained in the Zohar, volume 2, in er, 210 and 220,
1: just like you can't look at the sun directly but you have to look at it through, through a glass, a thick glass or a colored glass so then I can look at it. So too the garment acts as a, as a shield. Not only protects you from the light but enables you to look at the light and enjoy the light. And that was the purpose when Moesha had to go through the cloud. It says he was in the cloud six days before he went up the mountain cloud, and then, but through the cloud, he was able to experience whatever he experienced at Sinai. So the cloud enveloped him. The cloud was like his garment, his protection, his shield. So too, the soul needs these garments. In order for the soul and every part of the soul to be able to derive the pleasure of the mitzvot, to derive the pleasure of the infinite light of the divine, godly light that we draw down when we do every single mitzvah. And there is a mitzvah for every part of the soul. There are 248 limbs, so we have 248 mitzvahs for every part of, of, our, of our organism and 365 prohibitions corresponding to every vein in our organism. So when the entire soul, every detail, every part of the soul is shielded and wrapped around with a the mitzvah, then it's able, it. It shields it from the infinite light. It's able to receive it, benefit from it, enjoy it, and derive pleasure from it without nullifying its existence, without being nullified. So that's why he says every soul has to come down into this world, and sometimes numerous times. We have to be reincarnated. We had to be reincarnated. Not we will have to be reincarnated because this is it, but we, we were reincarnated many times. We had to be reincarnated again in order to give us the opportunity to fulfill all 613 myths.
0: This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.